This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hello and welcome to Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture with me, Lim Su and A staggering 50 million people globally are trapped in modern slavery, according to a recent report that was jointly published by the International Labour Organization, the International Organization for Migration and Walk Free, which is an anti-trafficking human rights group. Now, this is a problem that is neither new nor unknown. So why have we struggled to clamp down on modern slavery and its various components? You know, are we ready to admit that modern slavery can be found even here in Malaysia? So joining me to unpack this recent report and also the broader issues surrounding modern slavery, um, especially forced labour, is Joanne Chua, the National Programme Officer with the International Organisation for Migration. Thank you so much for joining me today, Joanne. Thank you so much, Joanne. Very happy to be here. So I'll start with a bit more of a basic question, right? What exactly is modern slavery and how different or similar would it be to what we might traditionally think of slavery? So modern slavery is um, actually an umbrella term that is used, um, which comprises of forced labour, forced marriage, uh, human trafficking, commercial sexual exploitation, domestic servitude and child labour. So in essence, uh, modern slavery refers to situations of exploitation, when one person is exploited by another person or by an entity such as a company for financial gain. Um, This is where the exploited person cannot refuse or cannot leave um, because of threats, violence, deception, abuse of power or other forms of um, coercion. So for the purposes of the uh, 2021 Global Estimates, which is the report you referred to earlier, Mm -hmm. this report focuses on uh, two practices of modern slavery, forced labour and forced um, marriage. So from the findings in the report itself, there are about 50 million people in situations of modern slavery on any given day. And that is about one in every 150 people in the world. That's quite a staggering number. I think especially when you break it down to one in 150, right? That means like every other person, um, well, not every other, but in the group of people that you meet on the street, one of them could be in a situation of forced labour. I want to bring up something a bit more recent that um, got a lot of people talking, which is the job scams that Malaysians um, have fallen for overseas, you know, especially in the region. I think many of us were quite shocked to hear about those news that, you know, Malaysians have fallen for such job scams. Um, In one unfortunate case, there was the um, case of a young man who died in Thailand after falling for such a scam, and that was 23-year-old Goi Zenfeng. Do these cases fit under sort of that umbrella term of uh, modern slavery? Sure. So, um, this recent reports of Malaysians being trafficked into neighbouring countries like Cambodia and Myanmar for job opportunities are actually very similar to other cases of modern slavery in Malaysia, Mm -hmm. in particular um, migrant workers who were trafficked into Malaysia or who are in situations of forced labour. So in the recent cases of Malaysians, um, these individuals, they were exploited as they were particularly vulnerable. Um, The emergence of what they call the pig butchering scams came about during and shortly after the recovery of the COVID-19 pandemic where people who may have um, lost their jobs, um, they felt prey to uh, deceptive jobs advertisements that promised high-paying jobs abroad, which led them to becoming victims of human trafficking, forced to work as agents in this scam called Santas. So while these circumstances might be slightly different, whereby the industry here is uh, most sophisticated, the victims conduct online romance or, or crypto scams, 
and the forms of coercion um, such as abusive working conditions, long hours, uh, restriction of movement, these are all um, common indicators of forced labour. So what we can see here is that anyone can become a victim of human trafficking and the recent increase in Malaysians being trafficked emphasises um, the importance of international cooperation and cross-border cross collaboration. Um, what we call the four Ps uh, to address human trafficking holistically, which is prevent, protect, prosecute and partnership. You know, do you? It's it's. I think it's quite eye opening to hear these statistics being listed down because it's something that we don't. Um, I guess we or maybe we aren't willing to talk about as much, right? So I do want to dive a bit into the findings of that report. Then you know the one that we um that we said earlier and estimated fifty million people still trapped in slavery today. Um, out of which twenty eight million are in forced labour and twenty another twenty two million are in forced marriages. From your perspective, what, is, what does that tell us about the gravity of the situation globally, not just here in Malaysia or regionally as well? So um, from the findings, uh, we can see that children account for one quarter of all those in modern slavery, whereas women and girls comprise of over half, um, 54% of those are in modern slavery as well. So unsurprisingly, um, those who are most affected are the ones in situations of um, greatest vulnerability, including the poor and socially excluded uh, workers in the formal economy, um, irregular or otherwise unprotected migrant workers, as well as uh, people who are subject to um, discrimination. Um, you know, we've been talking about these numbers that are um, estimates, right, as the report is mentioned. Do you think that the situation could actually be worse? You know, in, in some of the news reports, it was saying that how, you know, the numbers are increasing, right? Do, are you concerned that, you know, we are seeing things backsliding or perhaps are we getting better at recognising forms of modern slavery? So um, to give you an example, to answer the question whether the situation is as bad as it is, um, Malaysia at the moment has approximately 1.2 million regular or registered migrant workers. However, a World Bank report from 2020, um, this is pre-pandemic, estimated that the number of undocumented workers is closer to 1.2 to 1.5 million. And this is uh, based on remittances. But the reality is when these workers fall off the grid, it is difficult to say. Um, what the true numbers are, and which are likely uh, to be higher. So, um, as you mentioned, another key finding of the overall picture of modern slavery is that there has been an increase of 9.3 million people in situations of modern slavery since the last report, which was published five years ago in 2017. Mm -hmm. So, as a comparison, that increase is the equivalent to one-third of the population of um, Malaysia. And um, just, just to bring the focus of the report's findings um, on forced la labour, no region of the world is unaffected by forced labour. And in absolute terms, uh, unfortunately, Asia and the Pacific is by far um, the largest. Um, we are a host to more than half of the uh, global total of victims of forced labour, which is 14.6 million and this is followed by uh, Europe and Central Asia, um, Africa, the Americas, and finally the Arab states. Why have we struggled 
to, I guess, clamp down on um, modern slavery, right? Asia and the Pacific is, is what is the worst. We host the most people, like you mentioned. Now, we might, some might say that, well, we have seen greater awareness in what modern slavery is. We have seen um, a lot of efforts by local NGOs, civil society organizations to lobby our government, for example, to take action. Um, but we are still seeing this increase in statistics. Why have we, you know, why, why is modern slavery still persisting, especially here in Asia? So the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic was a significant factor during this period as it heightened the risk of forced labour and posed challenges um, to achieving the targets under the uh, UN Sustainable Development Goals, particularly target 8.7 of ending modern slavery among children by uh, 2025 and universally by 2030. So during the initial months of the pandemic, there was a sharp drop uh, in labour demand as companies either had to let go or greatly reduce uh, the number of their workers due to the closure of workplaces and operations. Uh, this was brought about by the nationwide lockdowns. So then this caused uh, the higher indebtedness of workers as they could no longer receive an income, uh, which then led to a rise of those in uh, debt bondage. The pandemic also, I think, um, what it did in uh, numerous countries is um, it exposed the poor and unsafe working and living conditions of migrant workers which is another indicator of forced labor. And in Malaysia itself, we could see that um, a number of migrant, um, a number of COVID-19 clusters were from migrant um, worker um, accommodations. However, um, the increase um, in numbers of modern slavery was also driven by other compounding crises. Um, for example, climate change. Um, we also saw armed conflicts and greater inequalities as key factors that have led to uh, disruptions in employment and education. Uh, this then leading to higher incidences of extreme poverty that compel uh, migrants to embark on unsafe migration journeys. So the World Bank um, also indicated that extreme poverty, which is one important met metric of the forced labour risk, remains um, far higher than what was projected before the pandemic. So these factors only increase um, the vulnerability of mig migrants, putting them in situations where they can be exploited and therefore become uh, victims of uh, modern slavery. Um, what is important to note here is that for forced la labour, mm -hmm. it has increased uh, both in absolute number and as a proportion of the population, meaning that the increase is not just due to uh, population growth alone. I think that's even more concerning than just um than than just you know sort of an an increase sort of with the population, um and, and I think what a lot of people have paid attention to is also that impact of the um migration crisis or the refugee crisis, right? We've seen that sort of intensify over the past few years. We've seen countries sort of taken a greater securitization approach towards migrants. How concerned are you? I mean, you mentioned a bit about that, but maybe could you elaborate more on how that in particular is also fueling this situation? Sure. So um, migrant workers who are not protected by, by law or are unable to exercise their rights face a higher risk of forced labour than other work workers. So the forced labour prevalence of adult migrant workers is more than three times higher than that of an adult non-migrant worker. So um, while migration has a largely positive impact at, um, at the individual, household, community and societal level, this figure makes clear that when migration is irregular or poorly governed or where recruitment practices are unfair or unethical, then migration can create situations of vulnerability to forced labour. 
So um, if we sort of zoom into this a little bit, um, the higher prevalence of forced labour among migrant workers is strongly related to the challenges that migrant workers face in which they may not have access or receive um, sufficient legal protections or where, as I said, uh, recruitment and employment practices are unfair on, uh, or unethical. So um, forced labour can manifest itself in uh, various ways. Um, for example, um, the withholding of wages is the most common form of coercion experienced by 36% of those in forced labour. This is used uh, by employers to force workers to remain in a job as the workers fear that if they leave, then they have lost all the earnings that they have worked so hard for. The second most common and which is a huge problem in Malaysia is debt bondage, which is experienced by one in five people in forced labour, whereby a worker is coerced to work against their will in order to repay a debt owed either to the recruiter or the employer. So most migrant workers pay a recruitment fee in order to, to obtain employment here in Malaysia. In the assessments that have been conducted by IOM, the highest fees and costs paid by migrant workers in Malaysia are by migrant workers from Bangladesh and they pay up to over 20,000 ringgit Malaysia. So we need to put this into context. This is 20,000 ringgit for what is usually a minimum wage job, mm -hmm. meaning that the migrant workers take years to repay this debt. And, it, and um, if we look at the other nationalities, um, Nepalese, for example, they pay on average um, up to 9,000 ringgit and um, Indonesians, they pay up to 4,000 ringgit. So these are also very large sums when you take into account what, what job they are actually going into, which is usually minimum wage. Mm. All right. Um, we'll go for a quick break now, Joanne. And when we come back, you know, I do want to talk more about solutions as well as, um, I guess, our language surrounding modern slavery as well and how we talk about it. I'm speaking today to Joanne Chua, National Program Officer with the International Organization for Migration. And we are talking about the issue of modern slavery coming off a recent report um, by the International Labor Organization, the International Organization for Migration and Walk Free. So we'll continue this discussion after a quick break on BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Live and Learn on the Bigger Picture with me, Lim Su An. On the show with me today is Joanne Chua, National Program Officer with the International Organization for Migration in Malaysia. And we are talking about the issue of modern slavery and how a recent report had um, estimated that a staggering 50 million people globally are trapped in modern slavery, um, out of which you know, an estimated 28 million people are in forced labor and 22 more are in forced marriages. And of course, um, you know, with Joanne's background, we are focusing a bit more on forced labour today as that is also a huge problem here in Malaysia. As we've seen, you know, in the past couple of years, we've always heard of reports of Malaysian companies being sanctioned for um, allegations of forced labour. And that is something that we continue to struggle with despite, you know, rising awareness, um, greater action by civil society organisations. So we want to dive more into what can the government or rather our future government do to to commit to better tackling this issue that, you know, is having a serious impact on us domestically as well as internationally. Um, but first, Joanne, you know, are there any myths or misconceptions about modern slavery that you've seen or heard, especially here in Malaysia? When we think of slavery, um, I think the first thing that comes to mind is often the uh, transatlantic slave trade that mm -hmm. took place between the 16th to the 19th century. 
However, slavery is not at all a thing of the past. Currently, slavery occurs in every country across sectors and involves um, vulnerable people of different nationalities, genders, ethnicities, and cultures. The biggest myth in um, Malaysia is really that we don't have modern slavery here. That, that is the myth. The reality is that we are surrounded um, by situations and victims of modern slavery, be it trafficking or forced labour. So these um, people may uh, be the ones serving you at your restaurants, at the mamas. They may even be the people who are built or are guarding your homes and your offices. You know, when you go home, say, um, if you live in a condominium or um, if you go to a high-rise office, you have security guards who guard the offices. They may even be the domestic workers in our own homes. Mm -hmm. So, for example, in December, most of us will be watching the FIFA World Cup in Qatar without really thinking too much of the migrant workers who might have been subjected to forced labour while building those infrastructures. Another um, misconception is that people might think that um, workers, um, migrant workers steal local jobs from Malaysians. The reality is migrant workers, they take up the uh, 3D jobs, the dirty, dangerous and difficult jobs that Malaysians do not take up. And why are they willing to, to do this? They need to support their families back home um, with paying for health, education and other necessary costs that are vital to lifting them out of extreme poverty. And often, um, what is important to note is that due to these vulnerable circumstances, these migrant workers are exploited for their labour as they have no other choice. Um, they have weaker uh, bargaining power to stand up for their rights. So what is worse um, is that when they are exploited, there is um, unfortunately limited legal protection to seek access to justice here. Um, another thing to perhaps note is that the data in the Global Estimates report does not capture all cases of modern slavery. So for example, um, a category which was left out was the cases of domestic servitude. Mm -hmm. And the reason why this data was not included was due to households keeping this information private. So, um, back to our earlier point, um, the prevalence of modern slavery is likely much higher than reported. Mm. That's something that we've heard quite often, that it's difficult even for activists on the ground to get information, get data about um, um, domestic slavery, about domestic servitude, sorry, because, you know, these individuals are kept in the homes and, and you know, a lot of people from the outside, you wouldn't see what is happening, you wouldn't know what is happening at all. How, I guess you, you mentioned that, you know, we... Um, for these, a lot of these workers who are stuck in such situations here, they don't have much options in terms of getting access to justice. But how seriously has Malaysia taken slavery, especially the issue of forced labour, when we have seen, you know, companies being sanctioned again and again? What are the gaps um, in policymaking here? So in um, Malaysia, so I'll start with, with uh, some of the efforts um, that the Malaysian government has, has taken. So in Malaysia, we have seen um, a number of amendments recently to law. Mm -hmm. So uh, some, some examples might be the Employment Act or um, ATIPSOM. So ATIPSOM is the Anti-Trafficking in Persons and Smuggling of Migrants Act. And there were some significant amendments in recent years. Um, to top that up, uh, the Malaysian government has also launched uh, two uh, national action plans in 2021. One was for trafficking in persons and another for forced labour. So the National Action Plan for Forced Labour, for example, um, it sets out a multi-stakeholder roadmap towards the elimination of forced labour. So um, it is an important document because it sets out the commitments of the government. And what is good about this document is also that it, it doesn't just set out what the government can do. 
it is very much um, multi-stakeholder in the way it has been drafted. So, for example, if you're civil society, if you're the private sector, you can go back to this document to see what you can do in your um, in whatever capacity you have towards the elimination of forced labour. So what is really important here is that the, the National Action Plan has to be implemented in collaboration with all relevant stakeholders, and this includes the UN, uh, private sector, civil society organisations, as well as the vulnerable communities, including migrant workers. So I guess then if we first look at the... Um public, right? I mean, have you seen a willingness among Malaysians to call slavery as it is, you know, be it forced labour or forced marriages, which was mentioned in the report, but I think especially with forced labour, right, are we willing to call it as it is? So are we sort of shying away from and shying away from it and going back to like what, what you said, thinking that it doesn't exist here in Malaysia? Modern slavery um, exists because of structural in- inequalities in our global economic system that puts profits over people. Um, it's embedded in the products that we use, the clothes we wear, the phones we call, and the food that we eat. Um, people do not question where these products come from, how, how, how they are made, or who made them because it's convenient, right? We have these items, they are value for money. Mm-hmm. Um, people might also not want to call out modern slavery as long as they can have these products in their hands and as long as they benefit. Um, what we have seen is that businesses will react if buyers and consumers start questioning the unethical labour practices and hold them accountable. Um, at the end of the day, migrant workers are essential to a productive economy and their contribution to our country is invaluable. They must be afforded protection under our laws, um, re- re- recruited and employed actively and not have to incur recruitment debt in order to secure a job. Like us, they must also have social protection and access to our grievance mechanisms and justice so most importantly, uh, migrants need to be centred in policy solutions for safe, orderly and, re- and regular migration. But just to take this back um, a step. Mm-hmm. So a simple place to start is really in our own homes. So for example, um, a lot of Malaysians, um, they, um, they either have domestic workers or they come into contact with domestic workers. And some simple questions um, to ask are, for example, are you keeping their passports? Do you stop them from leaving the home? Are they expected to work at any or all hours of the day? Are they? I mean, you expect them to be awake before you're awake, but at the same time, you expect them to also do work after you've gone to sleep. Um, do they work from Mondays to Sundays with no days off? And if um, your answer is yes, then please note that these are all indicators of forced labour. And some of the uh, more common forced labour risks that we have seen in Malaysia include um, deception, for example. So this is where a migrant worker, they may have been promised a certain salary or a job in the home country. But but when they arrive in Malaysia, they find out that this is not true at all. He may have been told he was coming to work for a restaurant, but is then taken to a palm oil plantation for half the salary he was promised. So this is actually more common than you think. Um, there's also restriction of movement, which I mentioned earlier. Some workers even had their passports uh, confiscated by their employers so that they can't leave. Mm-hmm. And domestic workers, as we know, they're often not even allowed to leave their homes. So this also leads to isolation, which is common among um, domestic workers who are also not allowed to socialise, um, who have their mobile phones taken away if, if they have them. And, you know, some some of the other more um, common things we see, uh, physical and sexual violence, uh, intimidations and threats, um, the withholding of wages or unlawful salary deductions, 
We also see that migrant workers very often, they work excessive overtime. You know, the locals can say, no, I don't want to work overtime, but the migrant workers are never given this choice. Um, and something which I think, um, which is so normal for us, you know, when we want to leave a job, we resign mm-hmm. and we find a new job. This is an option that strangely is not available to migrant workers. They cannot leave their jobs. Um, so yeah, so, so um, these are just some of the red flag signs that we should look out for um, when, we, when we try to see whether there is modern slavery happening around us. Some of them range from the really obvious to the more insidious. So it really requires a lot more awareness among the public as well as to how to keep an eye out for this, right? But um, from the perspective of the private sector, for example, because I read in the report that 86% of cases of forced labour are found in the private sector. That's an incredibly high number. What can companies, businesses do to address forced labour issues um, in their production? So that is a very, very good question. And um, and what is important is that uh, private sector, they can already begin to take action to eliminate forced labour within their supply chains. They do not need to wait for for um, stronger government laws to come in, for example. You know, they really need to take the step now. And, um, and, and um, in order to sort of encourage this movement, what we have seen um, from some other governments is that they have started... Um, legislating this modern slavery. Um, this modern slavery laws may not be uh, in existence in Malaysia now, but I think what we also need to um, to note is that because this modern slavery laws are far-reaching, and, and, and I'll give you some examples, mm-hmm. they will also affect um, um, suppliers and companies who are not within uh, their uh, jurisdictions. So, for example... Um, what we have seen is that ending forced labour, it will require a multifaceted response um, that addresses the array of root causes, um, economic, social, political, and legal, that contribute to vulnerability and enable um, abuses. So what um, we have been seeing in recent times is, um, for example, the... um, the upcoming, uh, the forthcoming um, EU corporate social due diligence legislation. So this has really been a uh, welcome development to raise the bar across the region for wider positive human rights impacts across the global supply chains. So for example, um, ASEAN, mm-hmm. um, the EU's third largest um, external trading part- partner, and this accounts for more than um, 189 billion euros um, of trade in goods in 2020. And of which um, 120 billion were imports from ASEAN. So, so at the point that I'm trying to make here is yes, this is an EU law and it applies directly to enterprises that uh, generate certain amounts of revenue in the EU um, and impact on business partners and enterprises uh, within ASEAN. But um, what needs to be noted is that while this may have severe implications for international buyers, local Malaysian suppliers will likely also be facing increased um, scrutiny and oversight in order for their buyers overseas to meet the relevant international human rights uh, standards, including on labour migration. Mm -hmm. So like I said, you know, we can't just wait for the laws to come up here. You know, the private sector, they need to take action now. If they don't, they are going to be left behind. And, um, to give you some other examples, which I think you also mentioned earlier, is that in Malaysia alone, 
eight companies have been at the receiving end of the U.S. Uh, customs and border protection um, withhold release orders. So mm-hmm. far, only two of the eight have been removed from the list. And what is um, really significant to note is that Malaysia has the second highest number of bans in the world. So um, from from IUM's engagement with the private sector, um, the companies are are con- concerned um, about the implications that this will have on their business as they can stand to lose potential customers, mm-hmm. um, investors, and access to key markets, potentially withdrawing their support to companies and industries known to have caused harm to workers. This will ultimately um, impact on Malaysia's economy and as well as on the rakyat as production output would be reduced, leading to worker layoffs, including Malaysian employees, um, higher unemployment, uh, declining consumer demand, and a lesser economic growth for the country. So um, as you mentioned just now, the private sector has uh, a critical role to play to ensure um, the responsible recruitment and employment of migrant workers to keep their business sustainable. And businesses must do this even before the um, mandatory laws require them to do so. Hmm. So then in terms of laws, you know, if we do see such laws being introduced, what can Malaysia bring in in terms of legislation to at least have that top-down policy? So um, another another common um, sort of sentiment we have seen among the international buyers and also the local suppliers is the need to bridge the gap mm-hmm. between Malaysian laws and international standards. Because currently the companies, they face this uh, challenge whereby, you know, their buyer in America says, okay, you have to follow the ILO standards, for example. But our Malaysian laws are are lower mm-hmm. and the protections for migrant workers are less. So then um, my, um, the local suppliers who are used to complying with Malaysian law may not be able to reach that standard. However, um, their auditors are often um, following the international standards, which means that they may fail audits, for example. So this, so bridging this gap between the Malaysian law and international standards is really important because otherwise um, the Malaysian suppliers are inclined to follow the lower standard, which, which is the Malaysian law. So then, you know, wrapping up our discussion, you know, I can't help but bring in the the, the fact that in Malaysia, Parliament has been dissolved. The 15 general elections are coming. What would you like to see or what should voters look out for on this issue of forced labour in upcoming manifestos by political parties? Sure. Um, So as we discussed earlier, in any forced labour, it it really will um, require a multifaceted response that addresses the array of our root cause causes and there is an overarching need to address the uh, decent work deficit in the informal economy that increased uh, susceptibility to forced labor as well as um, broad efforts towards um, economic formalization. So um, the report itself actually discusses a number of policy priorities Mm -hmm. Um, but if we can zoom in into some of these priorities um, which may be in line with the National Action Plan for forced labor um, that I mentioned earlier so the first would be an institutionalized legal protection framework which covers all workers regardless of status. Um, this will go a long way in ensuring that workers have the same rights without discrimination and access to justice if something goes wrong. Um, a second one would be uh, the, uh, the adoption of policy um, in support of the employer case principle and effective implementation to ensure that migrant workers do not pay recruitment fees or related costs 
would be the first step towards addressing um, severe debt bondage that puts migrant workers in a vulnerable uh, position even before they begin their, their employment and subsequently traps them in employment even where it is exploitative. Um, in Malaysia as well, I think some something which I mentioned earlier is that work permits for migrant workers are tied to a single employment um, holder. So they are tied to the company that they work for, which effectively means that even where they are exploited, they cannot leave that job without becoming undocumented. And this heightens their, their, their risk of arrest and detention. So reform is needed um, for a mechanism which allows migrant workers to change employers. And ultimately, these are decisions that will impact us as an economy, impact our own labour force as well, right? So there's no reason to sort of not prioritise it. Yes, exactly. So um, there was also a World Bank study that showed that a 10% uh, net increase in manual or low-skill um, migrant workers may increase Malaysia's G- GDP by up to 1.1%. So it does benefit all of us to treat migrant workers who who work here um, humanely, because at the end of the day, we must remember that that these are the people who left their homes, who left their families to come here to take care of us, our families, to build our homes, to take care of our homes, to take care of our children. And why, why do we not treat them with the dignity and the respect that they deserve? All right. And on that note, thank you so much for joining me today, Joanne. Thank you so much, Suan. I've been speaking to Joanne Chua, National Program Officer with the International Organization for Migration, about the issue of modern slavery and in particular that of forced labor here in Malaysia. If you missed any part of today's show or any previous Live and Learn episodes, you can download our podcast on bfm.my or on the BFM app. I'm Lim Suan and this has been Live and Learn, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.